0: John's Gospel contains unique material about Jesus' life and ministry, while omitting other aspects of it that Matthew, Mark, and Luke include. For example, John has no account of the birth, baptism, or temptation of Jesus. John introduces Jesus Christ to the world by linking him to the Logos, which was a Greek concept that connected with the most sophisticated philosophical thinkers in the first century. John opens with a flashback to Genesis and the creation story by saying, in the beginning was the Word. John states his purpose at the end of the book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good.
1: Seeing is believing, or is it? Hello and welcome to this Friday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And I'm Brian Davis, thanks for stopping by. Well, to hear the Apostle John tell it, it's the other way around. Believing is seeing. This truth is echoed throughout the Bible, but the Gospel of John places special emphasis on belief as well as the person in whom we should believe. John ultimately takes us to the deep end of theology and philosophy, and we dive into those waters next as Ron moves ahead in his teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Stay with us now or stop by our new digital streaming platform at somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. With today's Something Good radio message, John, reasons to believe. Here's Dr. Ron Jones.
0: Well, The Santa Claus, uh, starring actor and comedian uh, Tim Allen, is a, a popular Christmas movie franchise and it's one of my favorites. I love to watch uh, all three versions of The Santa Claus, The Santa Claus 2, and here's a creative title, The Santa Claus 3. <laughs> Actually subtitled The Escape Clause. But after Santa dies accidentally in Scott Calvin's uh, front yard on Christmas Eve, Calvin, who's played by Tim Allen, and his son Charlie travel magically to the North Pole where Calvin learns he must become Santa by the next Christmas. Calvin thinks he's dreaming until he starts uh, gaining weight, (laughs) and he notices that reindeer are following him everywhere he goes. He also shaves his face in the morning and looks in the mirror, and a white beard just magically grows back. And these oddities uh, convince him that he is indeed Santa, and he prepares for Christmas Eve. After delivering gifts to children around the world for the first time, the new Santa returns to the North Pole to reflect on his strange experience. And from the balcony of his bedroom, holding a cup of hot cocoa, as Santa does, Calvin sees polar bears directing traffic in the, uh, the town square below. He turns to Judy, an adorable elf, and says, I see, but I don't believe it. And Judy uh, responds to Santa convincingly, but Santa, seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Way to go, Elf Judy! Isn't that great theology? Seeing is not believing. Believing is seeing. Uh, To say it another way, from 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, as Christians, we walk by faith, not by sight. Let that sink in a little bit. We walk by faith, not by sight. Believing is seeing. Now, the apostle John who penned the gospel according to John and Elf Judy might not agree on the North Pole, but the one thing they do agree on is that belief always precedes sight. What we we see, what we believe, if what we believe is true. Let me say that again. We see what we believe if what we believe is true. Now, John is known as the beloved disciple for many, many reasons. He had a very special relationship with Jesus Christ. He writes with belief in mind when he expresses in his gospel purpose statement this idea of of believing. And again, you have to go all the way back to the end of the book to pick this up, John 20 and verse 31, but these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. John's focused goal throughout his gospel, all 21 chapters, is to engage belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gives his readers many reasons to believe that Jesus of Nazareth is indeed the Christ, the incarnate Son of God. In John's mind, there's only one proper response to the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Believe, believing is seeing. And when we believe in Jesus, he will open up our eyes to see the beauty and the wonder of his grace. Now let's get to know uh, John, the beloved disciple, just a little bit. Um, After the Apostle Paul, John is the most prolific writer in the New Testament. Having penned the Gospel according to John, three epistles, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, and then uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the last book of the Bible. Uh, John was part of Jesus's inner circle, which also included Peter and John's brother, James. You read through the Gospels and uh, pay attention to those times when Jesus pulled aside Peter, James, and John, gave them insight into things and allowed them to see things that maybe some of the other disciples did not see. Jesus' nickname for James and John was the Sons of Thunder. Oh, what a great nickname that is. Uh, they were actually the sons of Zebedee, their father who was a fisherman. And Jesus found them fishing along the Sea of Galilee and invited them to follow him. But I always wonder about the Sons of Thunder. I think uh, Salome, their mother, might have had a handful you know, in these two boys. And she was kind of a handful herself. She did what she could to position her boys within Jesus' kingdom enterprise, and and Jesus gently rebuked her for that and taught a lesson about servant leadership. After Jesus' resurrection and ascension, both James and John play a significant role in the start of the early church, and we learn this in the book of Galatians and in the book of uh, Acts. Tradition says that John also served Uh, The church at Ephesus before the Romans exiled him to the island of Patmos. And it was there on Patmos that he received and recorded the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, Now there are several ways in which John unfolds his gospel to give us some reasons to believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God, and the Incarnate One. And he wastes no time in chapter one by introducing us to the word. The word that became flesh and dwelled among us. John is not considered among the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it's written much later, probably uh, 85 to 90 AD is where uh, most conservative scholars would put it. But it contains uh, much unique material about the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, and also omits some material that Matthew, Mark, and Luke include. For example, uh, John has no account of the birth or the baptism or the temptation of Jesus Christ in the wilderness. Uh, Descriptions of the Last Supper, Jesus' agonizing prayer in Gethsemane and the Ascension, are also missing. Maybe John felt, uh, led by the Holy Spirit, that Matthew, Mark, and Luke had included those accounts uh, and done so uh, effectively. But unlike the other Gospels, John introduces Jesus Christ to the world by linking him to the Logos. That's the Greek word that is translated word in, uh, in your Bible and could also mean reason. It's a Greek concept that connected with the most sophisticated philosophical thinkers in the first century. John immediately takes us into the deep end of philosophy and theology. He opens with a flashback to Genesis and the creation story by saying, in the beginning was the word, and then he goes on from there. For centuries, Greek philosophers had been dreaming and thinking and talking about the Logos and its role in the creation of the universe. However, their understanding of the Logos never advanced beyond an abstract philosophical concept. They thought of the Logos as a force in the universe, kind of like Star Wars, you know, may the force be with you, long before Star Wars. Uh, The smartest, most philosophical Greek and Romans minds were were thinking about uh, the force that creates and sustains and maintains the universe. But John blew their minds wide open with 10 tons of theological dynamite when he said the Logos was a real person, a God-man who dwelled among us. You gotta understand how radical of an idea that was and how sophisticated thinkers went, whoa, John, we were with you up to this point. But when you put flesh and blood on uh, the Logos, wow, we're gonna have to think about that. The Word, he says, is eternal. It's part of the Holy Trinity. And he wastes no time in saying, the Word was God, full deity. Furthermore, the word is the creator of all things, the source of life. With his uh, first introduction to the concept of light, and John does a, a lot of work contrasting light and darkness in his gospel, he says the word is truth, unmitigated truth, It's humanity and humility on full display in the God-man. The significance of John's opening statement about Jesus cannot be overestimated. It was a game changer in John's time and should be in ours as well. William Barclay writes, the first chapter of the fourth gospel is one of the greatest adventures of religious thought ever achieved by the mind of man. And I would differ with Mr. Barclay in one thing. It wasn't achieved by the mind of man. It was achieved in the mind of God and given by revelation to John, who penned it. That's just one reason to believe.
1: Don't go away. We'll be right back with more of Dr. Ron Jones' message, John, Reasons to Believe. New to the program? If so, we want you to know that all of Ron's messages are archived at our website. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Again, somethinggoodradio.org. And when you stop by, use the Partner tab at the top of the homepage to check out the 828 Club. That's a special group of people who partner with Ron so that he can share these Internet and radio broadcasts the whole year through. Join the 828 Club from our website or give us a call at 757-276-1099. That's 757 757- 276 2761099 John 3:16 is the most quoted verse in all the Bible. In that passage, John urges all mankind to believe in Jesus Christ, and throughout his gospel, he explains why we should. We'll explore those reasons next in the second half of today's Something Good Radio message, John: Reasons to Believe. Once again, here's Dr. Ron Jones.
0: But here's another reason, a unique reason, that John gives us to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll just say it with a reference. John (laughs) 3.16. I mean, everybody knows John 3.16, right? How can you talk about the Gospel of John and not go to John 3.16? It's the most quoted verse in all the Bible. In fact, let's just say it together. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This verse came from a conversation Jesus had with a Pharisee named Nicodemus, who came to Jesus at night, John says. And Jesus also said to Nicodemus, are you ready for this? You must be born again. (laughs) Nicodemus didn't know how to factor that into his, you know, pharisaical equation there. But John 3.16 is the gospel in a nutshell. I love the way Max Lucado uses his uh, poetic flair as a pastor and an author to describe John 3.16. He says, it's a 26-word parable of hope, beginning with God, ending with life, and urging us to do the same. Brief enough to write on a napkin or memorize in a moment, yet solid enough to weather 2,000 years of storms and questions if you know nothing of the Bible, start here, he says. If you know everything in the Bible, return here. We all need the reminder. The heart of the human problem is the heart of the human. He says God's treatment is prescribed in John chapter 3 and verse 16. David Jeremiah, in his book titled God Loves You, also reflects upon John 3.16. He says, John 3.16 has long been regarded as our greatest, most direct, and most concise statement of the gospel. With almost miraculous precision, it places the good news of the love of God in the smallest of packages, when you say John 3.16, even many unbelievers either know what it means or know the verse itself. It is the most famous book, chapter, verse reference in the entire Bible. You'll see it on a banner at a sporting event, emblazoned on a t-shirt, or scrawled in graffiti on an underpass. It is a shorthand way of saying, God loves us all. Oh, John 3.16. We, we could just stop right there, pronounce the benediction and say, here's reason enough to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and to call him your Savior. But John goes on. John also records seven distinct reasons to believe in Jesus through what are called the I am statements. These are self-identifying statements Jesus made, beginning with the words I am, Maybe some of this sounds familiar to you, where Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. Just before he raised his friend Lazarus from the dead, he said to Mary and Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He also said in the upper room, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he added, no man comes to the Father but by me. He also said in the upper room, I am the true vine. Seven self-identifying statements. Jesus is the same I am, according to John, who who appeared to Moses at the burning bush. When Moses inquired of God's name, you remember how the Lord replied to him in Exodus chapter 3? He says, I am who I am. Now, what a strange-sounding name. And don't confuse it with a line from the Dr. Seuss book, I am Sam, Sam I am, I love to eat green eggs and ham. All right? No, this name by which God introduces himself to Moses it is not child's play. It's not childish in the least bit. In fact, the meaning of this divine name Uh, In Hebrew, actually the, the name in Hebrew is Jehovah or Yahweh. It's the sacred name that Jews would not pronounce aloud because they revered it so much. Jesus spoke, at least translated in John's gospel, the Greek version, ego I me. And in both languages, the name means I am the absolute and all sufficient one who works on your behalf. Jesus said it seven times. I am, I am, I am. Ego I me, ego I me, ego I me. And John presents Jesus to us as the great I am. And what a powerful name it is. Case in point, uh, when Roman soldiers raided the Garden of Gethsemane hours before his crucifixion, Jesus asked them, whom do you seek? And they said, "Well, well, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he said to them, Ego I me, I am he. And John records in chapter 18 that when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Now these were stout, strong Roman soldiers. And when he pronounced his divine name, Ego I me, blew them back to the ground. Jesus is not presented as the great I was, or the great I will be, he is the great I am, present in every sense of the word. Thus the seven self-identifying statements spoken by Jesus reveal several things. First, he's eternally self-existent. Let that just sink in a little bit, eternally self-existent. Nobody created him and he needs nothing. 100% self-existent. He's powerful beyond measure. Secure in his identity, he knew exactly who he was. He said it seven times at least. I am, I am, I am, I am. And he's uniquely qualified to satisfy our deepest needs, starting with the bread of life. He says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And he declared, I am the bread of life. These seven I am statements found in the Gospel of John also powerfully present Jesus as God. Now, there are some people down through the ages who claim this idea that Jesus was God was something whipped up by the disciples to enhance his uh, standing in front of everybody after he died on a cross. Baloney! Read the Gospel of John. He said himself, Ego, I me, mean. I am. And it was a self-declaring statement of his deity, his deity. They didn't have to whip this up. He said it over and over again understanding each I am statement within its larger context is a worthwhile study and there's a lot that could be said. In fact, for those of you who have been around for a while, you might remember my first series of messages that I preached here at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church on October of 2015 was titled, Why Jesus? Seven Reasons He is Still the, the One and Only. And it was on the 7 I am statement. So there's a whole lot that we can say and it's in the digital library at uh, uh, Atlanta, or at uh, somethinggoodradio.org, you can access all of that for free. But suffice it to say, knowing who Jesus is and what he can do for you is vitally important. Knowing why Jesus is unique in our diverse culture is equally important. Why Jesus and not Muhammad or Buddha or the many gods of Hinduism? Well, John demonstrates why the great I Am is the one and only begotten of God. He makes the strong, irrefutable case for why we should believe on the Lord Jesus Christ exclusively and live through Him. This is the Gospel of John.
1: John, the Apostle whom Jesus loved, points us clearly and unmistakably to God's love for all of us, as evidenced by His life on earth. Love is not merely what Jesus does, it's who He is. Just one more reason to believe that Jesus is exactly who He claimed to be. You're listening to Something Good Radio with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, John, Reasons to Believe, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand at SomethingGoodRadio.org. Use the radio tab at the top of the homepage. That's SomethingGoodRadio.org. While you're there, be sure to check out a discipleship coaching experience developed by Dr. Ron Jones called Starting Point A Disciple's First Steps. It's a return to the fundamentals of the Christian faith one that'll help you make disciples of Jesus Christ, who will go and make more disciples. To find starting point at Disciples First Steps, look for Something Good courses when you visit somethinggoodradio.org. Something Good exists only through the faithful prayer and financial support of friends like you. And for your gift today, we'll send you a new resource written by Dr. Ron Jones that goes along with his current series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. It's an e-book that covers all four Gospels, plus the Book of Acts. This content is available for a limited time to our monthly partners or for anyone who sends a gift today. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org. You can mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456 or call our offices at 757-276-1099.
0: I know for some of you, still seeing is believing and you want evidence, you want evidence. Well, uh, Christianity is not without evidence, the kind of evidence where you can believe beyond a reasonable doubt. Given all the circumstantial evidence, pile on to that evidence, the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. John mentions them uh, perhaps more than the other gospel writers and he includes his uh, uh, post-resurrection appearance to Peter.
1: That's next time when Ron shares part two of his message, John, Reasons to Believe. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.